Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Before we hop into the message today, I just, um, let's, let's take a couple of minutes and pray for the church in Ukraine, the people who are, who are suffering in both Russia and, and Ukraine, and, um, and right now, Ukraine needs, needs our help. Ukraine needs the church. If, uh, if you've been following what's happening uh, in the Ukraine, I, just, I, I got a text this morning calling for help and said uh, that one of the biggest fears is if, um, if this conflict isn't resolved in three weeks, if, we're, if it's not resolved in three weeks, then the planting season is going to be delayed for the entire country. And then you're looking at just the threat of of famine and starvation, not just the threat from, from Russia and, and an army that's coming at them. And so if you're, if you're being moved um, to, to help, um, there's a couple of opportunities, a couple of organizations that are on the ground in Ukraine um, and helping out. Um, and I want to just make sure that they have that information. Uh, but we know where our true help comes from, right? And even for the people of Ukraine, even as they are facing um, the threat of death, we know where their true help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. So let's go to the Lord together and cry out to him for, for the people who are suffering. Lord God, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving because you are God. And we confess, Lord, we don't always understand. We just don't always get it. We don't understand what's, what's happening in this world. And, uh, and I'll, I will confess to you, Lord, I have no idea the kind of suffering that is happening in Ukraine right now. People are hurting, Lord. People need you. They need help. They need the help that only you can provide. And so, Lord, we are crying out to you for, for people who are needy, who are poor in spirit. Lord, that you would fill them up, that you would meet their needs. And, Lord, if you could use us or, or a donation or anything or our, or our prayers in any small way, Lord, we, we just offer them up to you. And we cry out to you, Lord, for those who are hurting. Will you see their hurt? Will you hear their cries? Will you answer their prayers? Lord, we pray for peace. Peace in that land. 
more than anything, we pray for peace that you give, peace that abounds, peace that is beyond our understanding. Lord, we pray for peace in this world. And we pray for opportunities to, to share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us all over the world. Because this promise, this promise of salvation isn't just for us. It's for everyone. It's for you. It's for our children. It's for as many as the Lord will call. It's for people who are far off, either, either around the globe or just feeling very distant from God. The promise of salvation is for everyone. It's in your name we pray. Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. As we kick, uh, continue our, in the series of telling the world, we've kind of been bopping our way through Acts. But bef before we get into the text, I just want to kind of give you this little thing. Do you ever feel like God won't forgive you? Have you ever felt like, like something you've said or done or something that you've thought or even just kind of looked deeply within yourself and you said, God won't forgive me. I, I just know it. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have experienced his grace but you've got someone in your life. And maybe you've said, God will never forgive them. Or maybe you've said it in a, like, a, a more Christian way. Like, oh, they'll never believe. Or they'll never change. That's the big one. Oh, they'll never change. I don't know who it is in your life who you have kind of put into that category of unforgivable, unsavable, unchangeable. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's someone else. But in Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 9, God saves the unsavable. God forgives the unforgivable. God cleanses a dirty, rotten sinner who's just like you and me and completely transforms his life, changes his name, changes his mission, and sends him out to tell the world. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 9. If not, don't worry about it. It's going to be right up here. Or more than likely, I did see a couple of people walking in with paper Bibles, but more than likely, you may have it on your phone. So if you've got your phone, this is an okay time to be on your, uh, on your phone. 
Uh, just you look up your, as you look it up on your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app and you're like, I don't know where to look, please don't hesitate. Talk to me, talk to Nick, talk to Becca. You know, we would be happy to help you find a Bible app so that you can be following along and reading during the week. Okay. This is God's word. Acts chapter nine, starting in verse one, reading in Jesus name, because it's his word, not mine. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul said, who are you, Lord? I'm betting it sounded a little more terrified. And he said, that's Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. It's kind of like one of those moments of like, what just happened? Yeah, it happened. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight. And he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, rise, Go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, uh, I've heard from many about this man, about how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem, and he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. That's, you know, arrest them. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Here ends the reading of God's word. I love this story. It's a true story. I love it. Because in this text, in this story, what we get to see is God completely transforming a person's life. 
at this point in time, the church was growing like crazy. It was growing like crazy. People by the thousands were believing in Jesus, and the church was just exploding as people were talking to each other and inviting them out to hear about what Jesus has done for them. And they're meeting publicly, and they're meeting privately, and they're doing all sorts of things. If you look at Acts chapter 5, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats as Peter came by. At least his shadow might fall on some of them. This is what's happening. The church is just, just exploding. And people by the thousands are believing in Jesus Christ, the one who they killed just months prior. And people are rejoicing, and they have like things in common, and so they're getting together, and they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they're devoting themselves to prayer, and they're eating their meals together, and they're sharing communion together, and it's just going nuts. But as the church is growing, so is the persecution. You see, the Jewish leaders of the day were not happy that people are still talking about Jesus. The Jewish leaders of the day were still unhappy and angry. And every time something seemed to happen, the persecution just rose up even more. And so as, as Peter and John were in, the, were in the temple and they're talking to people about Jesus being the Messiah, the Savior, and what he's done to change everyone's lives and salvation in his name, well, they got arrested. And they got dragged into, into prison and they threw him into the prison and they stuck him in the innermost part of the prison, not in a private room. There's no like nice little bed over in the corner or a, or a toilet over here. No, no, no. Just in the middle of the prison. And as they're arrested and waiting for trial... God sends an angel to let them out. And he, that angel walks them right out of the prison, miraculously setting them free. And what do Peter and John do after getting set free, after telling the disciples that, that they've been let out? They go right back to the temple. They go right back to the same place they were arrested. And they do exactly the same thing. They tell the people about Jesus and what he's done for them. And lives are getting saved. And in the midst of that, one guy gets very upset. The guy on the road to Damascus. He's got two names. His birth name is Saul. Saul is uh, a Jew of Jews. He was born in the tribe of Benjamin. He, he obeyed God's law and he, he was doing everything he can to support the Jewish leaders of the day. 
He was so passionate about what he thought was right that the high priests put him in charge of arresting anyone he found who believed in Jesus and dragging them in chains. He was there the day that, that, that Stephen was preaching the gospel and the crowd just started to riot and they stoned him to death. And what was Saul doing? He was lending his authority, his approval. And if anybody wanted to throw a stone at Stephen, Saul held his coat. Yeah. Want to go kill that guy talking about Jesus? Yeah, you go for it. I'll hold your coat. I'll hold your coat. And so it's that guy, Saul, as he's on his way to Damascus, that his every thought and intention is evil and murder. Evil and murder and threats against anyone who believes in Jesus. That's Saul. You think God loves that guy? Do you think God could forgive that guy? Right there on the road, a blinding light from heaven just appears. I don't even know what time of day it was, but the light's got to be pretty bright to knock a guy to his knees. And he says, Saul, Saul, that's what you do when you're trying to catch somebody's attention. In the Jewish culture, you repeat the name, that means business. It's kind of like the same thing, like when your mom calls you by your first and middle name, you know mom means business. Well, the Lord Jesus means business when he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't ask him, why did, you, why did you kill Stephen? He didn't ask him, why are you arresting believers? He didn't ask him, why are you coming to Damascus to arrest people? He said, no. He said, why are you persecuting me? You see, because the church is the body of Christ. He, Jesus Christ identifies with believers in his church so much that we are a part of him. And that when the church is persecuted, when the church is hurting, when the church is suffering, he's hurting. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul, blinded, knocked down, on the ground, has nothing left to say, but, uh, Lord... Who are you? You see, he doesn't know the voice of Jesus. And so even though Jesus calls him by name, obviously Jesus knows him. But he knows that he is encountering, having an encounter with God. And God just gives him instructions. Jesus just gives him instructions. He says, I'll tell you what to do. 
get up, get back in town, and wait. And I'll tell you what to do. Man, I hate waiting. Oh, I hate waiting. Nick hates waiting. He says, uh, he, he doesn't ever want me to say, hey, I'll talk to you about it tomorrow. He doesn't ever like it when I say that. You know, it's kind of like that whole, like, wait till your father gets home. Oh, no. Ah. Saul has an encounter with God, knocks him to the ground, and God says, go to the city. Wait, I'll tell you what to do. If his skin isn't crawling for three days, I don't know what it is. And blinded, blinded, can't see, he gets up. And the guys who are with him, like, heard the voice, didn't see anybody. They're like, I don't know what happened. Like, what is going on? Saul's blind. They're going into the city. They're like, what do we do now? And Saul just says, wait. I expect he was praying. It says he was praying. But I sure would have been praying too. If you're blind, you just had an encounter with God, and he says, wait. Oh, yeah. That's the time to pray. And then Jesus visits another guy, Ananias. No bright light, no knocking him to the ground. Jesus, because Ananias already believes in Jesus, Jesus has to just say his name. Hey, Ananias. He's like, oh, hey, Lord, I'm right here. What do you need? It's awesome. You see the difference between Saul, who doesn't believe in Jesus, Saul, who doesn't know the the voice of Jesus, and Ananias, who may have never met Jesus, but believes in Jesus, and therefore he knows, he knows his voice. And so he calls out Ananias, he's like, hey, hey Lord, here I am, what do you need? And Jesus says, hey, all right, so I need you to run down to Straight Street, This has got to be some great instructions. Over to Judah's house. Enter the house. There's a guy waiting for you from Tarsus. His name is Saul. And all of a sudden, like, Ananias is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, Jesus. Are you sure? I've heard about this guy. Like, he's evil. Like, evil. Not like he's not a nice guy or he's kind of a bully. No, 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 no. Ananias, what he heard about him, he's like, this dude's evil, and he does evil things to your people. It says in here, saints. So when you read saints in the Bible, the actual wording is holy ones. That's you. Every single one of you who believes in Jesus Christ, every single person who is a part of his church, who believes in Jesus, When Jesus looks at you, he sees you and he says, you're a holy one. You're holy. You're pure. You're perfect. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. So Ananias is like, I don't know. This guy does some really evil things to your people, to your holy ones. And Jesus is like, just trust me. Just trust me. He's my instrument. I'm going to send him all over the world, and he's going to talk to people, and he's going to talk to kings, and he's going to share the message of salvation. And oh, by the way, he's going to learn what suffering really looks like. He's going to learn 
what suffering really looks like. And so Ananias obeys the Lord. He goes to that house, Judah's house on Straight Street, and he prays for Saul. And he proclaims the gospel to him. He proclaims forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And he lays hands on him and prays for him and scales fall from his eyes. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul tells kind of a fuller version of this story in Acts 22. As he's talking, he says... At the very hour, oh, let me read. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, that's Jesus, and to hear a voice from his mouth, and you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Why do you wait? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins. In Paul's life, Saul's life is changed and his name gets changed to Paul and he shares the message of salvation immediately. He immediately goes to the temple and starts preaching and proclaiming salvation through Jesus Christ. He causes such a great stir that they actually had to like sneak him out of the city by lowering him in a basket through the window outside of the city walls because people were already trying to kill him because he changed sides. His life was changed. His life is transformed. He was washed clean of all of his sins. I'm willing to bet that Ananias never thought that Saul would believe in Jesus. The guy whose every thought and intention was threats and murder against the church. The guy who hated what Jesus was doing. The guy who stood alongside as believers were murdered. The guy who dragged men and women in chains because they believed in Jesus, I'm willing to bet that Ananias never thought that that guy would believe in Jesus, that that guy would be forgiven, that that guy could be saved. But what is impossible to us is totally possible for God. And God forgives him, changes his life, changes his name, and transforms him forever and uses him as an instrument to tell the whole world about Jesus Christ. What about you? 
Have you ever felt like God can't forgive you? Have you ever felt like you'd sinned so, so badly that God wouldn't love you? Did you ever feel like looking inside of yourself, you doubted that you could ever change? That your life has just gotten to that place where you just thought, I could never, I can't change. This is who I am. God saves you. God forgives you. God changes you and transforms lives. Just like Saul, and just like me, and just like you. Or maybe there's somebody in your life who you thought would never believe. Maybe it's somebody that you love, or maybe it's a neighbor. And if I'm brutally honest, that person for me was my grandma. I didn't uh, grow up with a, I didn't grow up with the uh, storybook grandma. She didn't bake cookies. She didn't sing songs and read books with me. My grandma was an alcoholic and prescription drug addict who liked to play poker and drink a lot of beer. Day drinking was like her hobby. And I don't think, and I remember thinking, I do, I remember thinking that she'll never believe. I remember thinking that grandma will never change. And I love my grandma. I love sharing the gospel with her, even though she continued to think that God would never love her. We were at a family party, and Grandma was drunker than usual. And I'm talking like having trouble sitting in her seat drunk. And she called me over. I don't know if she was asking for me to sit next to her or if she was hoping that I would help keep her in her seat. It's true. It's awful, but it's true. And I shared the gospel with her that night, not expecting her to, not expecting her to even remember it in the morning, no less, not expecting it to change her life. Years later, years later, I was sitting in her apartment with her. And she said, Jason, she didn't call me Jay. She always called me Jason. Jason, you remember that night? You remember that night you told me about Jesus? I'm like, Grandma, what are you talking about? She's like, that night, we, we had that, that family get-together. We were, I think we were down in like South Carolina. And, she, and she's like, and we were, I, and, I, and she's like, and I, I had had a little too much to drink that night. And I'm like, a little? Like, Grandma, you couldn't sit up. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I had a little too much to drink that night. And you told me about Jesus. And that even at my lowest moment, 
As I was so drunk, I couldn't sit in my seat at a family gathering. Jesus loved me. She said, I couldn't believe it. But I do now. I don't know. It must have been God because there is no way (laughs) after that amount of alcohol that my grandma could have remembered that on her own. But somehow God brought that back to memory and God worked the testimony of Jesus Christ in her life. And she believed. The person I never thought would change, the person I never thought would believe in Jesus, the person I never thought could be forgiven, And she caused a lot of hurt. Jesus saved her. Jesus loves her. Jesus forgives her. It is that very same Jesus who loves you, who forgives you, who changes and transforms your life. And so do not look at yourself and think that you're unforgivable or unsavable because Jesus loves you. And I want to encourage you. I don't know who it is in your life. I don't know who that person is in your life, whether it's you or someone else. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe you got a grandma like mine. Whoever it is in your life who you think, they'll never believe. They can't be forgiven. I want to encourage you. Share the gospel with them. Pick up the phone. Drive to their house. Tell them about Jesus and what he's done for you. And remind them, no matter how drunk they are, remind them that Jesus loves them. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. We don't deserve it. We haven't done anything to earn your gift of salvation, your forgiveness, and your cleansing. But you love us. And Lord, we can't thank you enough for loving us and forgiving us and for changing our lives. Our lives are not the same today because of you and what you've done for us in and through us. And it's all because of you. And we ask you, Lord God, for forgiveness. God, forgive me for thinking that you couldn't save my grandma. Lord, forgive us for thinking that about anyone in our life, that they're unchangeable, unforgivable, or unlovable, because you love and forgive and wash people clean. Thank you for loving my grandma. Thank you for forgiving her and bringing her home to be with you. 
Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon the believers in this church, whether they're with us in, our, in the Lesur campus or whether it's on the online campus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and give us courage and boldness to, to share your message of salvation with the people who need to hear it. And believe that you're changing people's lives. And Lord, if there is anyone here who's not sure where they're at with God right now, right now, pray that you would give them the courage to talk to me on the way out the door about Jesus and how he's changing their lives. And I pray that you would give the courage to people in, in our church to share about you, Lord Jesus, with the people that they love, whether they think they can change or not. We trust you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior who loves us. Amen.